This is Democracy on the Move. Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, April 30, 2023. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. Today, I'm hanging with Nathan Falcone again. You may recall that Nathan appeared on this podcast earlier this month, and now he's back for more good, honest conversation. We'll start out talking about corruption, but who knows where we'll go from there. But first, a few words about Dirt Road Radio. Consider this. Each week, millions of Americans tune into radio talk and news shows, but 91% of the content is conservative and dominated by five big media companies. Meanwhile, a more well-balanced radio that appeals to Americans of all types has struggled to reach rural markets. So, to change things, there's this new streaming radio station going online in June. It's called Dirt Road Radio, and it aims to change the game in the radio field by offering an alternative to the dominant conservative news and talk radio. We want to share a wider horizon and a broader range of voices and perspectives. Because here's the problem we're trying to solve. Research shows that the rural-urban divide has grown dramatically in the last few decades, coinciding with the disappearance of local newspapers and the growing prominence of conservative talk radio. By harnessing the power of streaming technology along with the growing broadband internet availability in rural areas, Dirt Road Radio seeks to bridge this divide and provide a much-needed alternative to rural listeners. The content? It'll come from rural America. It won't be piped in from the left coast or the right coast. We're going to talk about issues that matter to America, directly from Americans living in the heart of the country. We're just getting started. Our Kickstarter campaign launches soon, and you can keep up on the latest developments at dirtroadradio.com. That's all one word, dirtroadradio.com. Better yet, if you have a story to share or know of someone with a story to share, reach out to us. We'd love to get you involved in this new and exciting venture. We're talking today with Nathan Falcone, a lifetime resident of Cedar Hill, Missouri. Now, Cedar Hill, in case you don't already know, is an unincorporated community of about 1,700 people, give or take. It's out along State Route 30. As a crow flies, it's probably about 30 miles southwest of St. Louis. Uh, Nathan spent most of his life living in Cedar Hill and works in the construction industry, specifically in sheet metal work. He's been doing that for about 16 years. As I mentioned at the top of the show, he's been on this podcast earlier this month. In fact, a close friend of mine who listens to this podcast regularly told me that he really liked the episode with Nathan. So first of all, to my close friend, Chris, thank you for the compliment. And secondly, um, hey, we just got to get Nathan back on the show. So Nathan, thanks for joining us again on Democracy on the Move and welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Chris, as well. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. the compliment. <laughs> Yeah, he I'm listens. definitely green. I'm I'm green. I'm trying to, you know, get the experience in. So I appreciate the uh, inclusion. Good, good. Yeah, he's um, he listens to my show. He actually works um, in uh, one of the assembly line working on uh, working on cars. And um, I won't say which company it is, but it's a pretty big company out there. And uh, he says, you know, it's uh, helps him keep his mind going as he's uh, working on the assembly line there. And um, he's. Um, very, uh, very grateful for podcasts. He listens to other podcasts also, but uh, he talks about this one too. So awesome. you and I talked a few weeks ago, you know, offline, we talked about, you know, several different topics that we could discuss during these uh, podcast episodes. And uh, last time, I think we started off talking about uh, the COVID response and, and Anthony Fauci and things like that. And we kind of meandered yeah. into other territory. But there's one thing I wanted to uh, chat with you about this time around, and that was that has to do with um, corruption. And um, you had made a you had made a statement a couple of weeks ago about this, and I wrote this down. You had said something like uh, um, people who are corrupt uh, should be treated like um, like should be treated as uh, treason or should be treated as treasoners. Um, right. I, that's probably not the right choice of words there, but. Um, <laughs> 
kind of beat today. So excuse me if I don't come up with the right words. You know what you're saying? I actually kind of feel a little off today. Yeah. But well, it's been a long week for me. But um, anyways, mm-hmm. um, I I I get that. But you know, there's different variations of corruption, though. I mean, there's there's the corruption where you know, a cop pulls you over and you pay him 50 bucks and he looks the other way, right? Um, right. I mean, that's that's um, obviously not, I'm not excusing that at all, but it does happen. I've heard anyway mm-hmm. that it happens. Um, I mean, that's corruption, but I don't think that rises to the level of treason. But I think that what you were thinking about was much higher levels of corruption, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I jotted down some... Uh... I don't know things that today I, I just find ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess that's something I want to touch on first, though. You know, it's just so important to uh, be non-tribalist whenever you're looking at corruption because it's absolutely on both sides, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I think the uh, Democrats just want to overlook right now is the uh, the Hunter Biden, uh, you know, uh, situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really care for, it doesn't seem like the uh, laptop situation is really uh, bearing any fruit for evidence but um you know do the investigation you know just like i you know i think they should do the investigations with trump and everything just you yeah. know let's see the investigation and see what evidence that actually exhibits um and i mean let's be real you know what business does hunter biden have on an energy what is an energy board in ukraine you know yeah. like that's uh yeah, clear, you know, um, just quid pro quo or whatever. Right. Um, and then, you know, what bothers me is, okay, you know, the conservatives or the people, the voting or politicians, uh, you know, they rightfully can point that out, but then they just turn a blind eye to the fact that like Jared and Ivanka uh, were actually on, um, you know, Trump's administration. Right. Um, and, you know, that's goes into the the corruption yeah um, nepotism and not only nepotism but like and that you know that's clear nepotism I mean, they, like they had no business being in the administration um you know jared basically his ties with saudi arabia and israel um i, I guess that's the reason he got the spot he was in and uh you know i uh i think from my research or whatever it looks like they made like a Around 172 million to, I mean, there's a very big gap, but uh, at the most, around 652 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just Jared and Ivanka while in office. Uh, Trump uh, was at 1.7 billion with uh, possibility up to 2.4 billion. Um, so, and, you know, that's a clear violation of what the uh, Emoluments Clause is. You know, right. the, the president's not allowed to. Uh, not only just make money as president, but you can't have businesses. Uh, well, I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's a salary as president, but you can't have, you know, businesses and you absolutely can't take money from foreign governments. Right. Um, that's a clear violation of the emoluments clause. So I think that's clear as day corruption. Uh, yeah. And like, that's the absolute highest form of corruption. Um, I mean, these people are getting dead rich with these, authoritarian governments you know like you see israel and saudi arabia committing human rights violations every day right um that i I, that's that's two of the things that i just i I follow probably the most closely and it's just disgusting and uh they're doing it with our funding which is just yeah (laughs) every time i see it it's like oh there's my tax dollars murdering those palestinians or yeah uh, there's my dollars you know murdering those uh yemen yemenis or whatever people in yemen uh it does look like there actually has been some resolution with those hopefully that sticks not not necessarily israel but um with yemen and saudi arabia Mm -hmm. but you know it's um well there's so many things i'd like to say about this um first of all i get it with hunter biden and I also had a problem with that laptop as well, because, you know, when you have evidence like that, there's this thing called chain of custody. And yeah, he might be guilty as hell. I mean, I, I can admit that um, in, in terms of in terms of the information that was on that laptop. But let's face it, that laptop was sitting in some guy's shop for like a year. And then okay. uh, other people such as really Rudy Giuliani and um, and um, 
New York Post, and I believe um, Steve Bannon was also in possession of it. So as far as I'm concerned, that's just off limits at that point, because, um, you know, you just you, you the chain of custody should have gone directly, if nothing else, directly from the shop to the FBI. But it was just kind of moved around into different hands. And, um, you know, even if these people are, are, you know, honest, which I don't think all of them are. But even if they were perfectly stand-up, honest people, uh, I still would not feel comfortable with that because you know you you just can't convict somebody on evidence that has the at least even the appearance of being tainted. Um, right. So so I get that, and but but I do I, I am very interested to find out you know what happens with, with Hunter Biden. He also had the uh, uh, dealings in China as well as in right. um, as in Ukraine, and um, you know what was he doing on these boards? Uh, was it a was it a token position? And, you know, was there corruption involved with that? Well, nepotism, I suppose, uh, could have been involved in that. So so I get that. The problem is, though, that it takes so long for the the law to catch up with these people. I mean, right now, you know, Trump is in a little bit of trouble, a little bit of deep water, but you don't hear anything about Jared, Jared Kushner or, you know, any of these deals you were talking about. Um, right. yeah. almost nothing is heard about that. And and as far as I know, there's nobody really even pursuing it. And, you know, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's almost as if, you know, they pursue these charges against Trump. They kind of set a precedent that basically they can be prosecuted as well mm-hmm. because they've committed all these war crimes that, you know, and that's what I would be going after these presidents for. They've all committed war crimes. Yeah. They all should be charged for these war crimes. I mean, we just drop drones like it's nobody business, nobody's business. Not to Biden's credit, he has d- dramatically reduced drone strikes. That's mm-hmm. one of the most positive things that he's done. Um, so that's you know great. But I mean, still, uh, we, we've still got troops in Somalia now, um, yeah. uh, and you know, obviously, we're not um, ex- we're not trying to. Uh, go for any diplomatic discussions with Russia and Ukraine. We're basically just fueling a proxy war. Yeah. Uh, so there is some hawkishness there, there as well. But. Well, that's, uh, I mean, I, I've often thought, and, and I hate to say that, that you know, I, I wouldn't say I agree with Trump. It's just that I have some thoughts that line up with his, if, if it's safe to say that, but one of them was NATO. Uh, I don't see the purpose right. of NATO anymore, honestly. Um, it was there as a as a uh, protection against uh, Soviet expansion, but the Soviet uh, expansion, uh, by definition, the Soviets were no more in, in, uh, in the 1990s. And right. right now, the way I see NATO is that they want countries to join NATO because uh, 2% of their GDP should now go toward their military. And, you know, where they, and I've said this on the podcast before, you know, where, where are they going to get their military from? Well, you got all these uh, American companies all lined up, all these defense companies all lined up, ready to sell them all this stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the military hardware proliferates throughout the world. And there's only one result. I, I mean, it, it, when it's like, if you give a kid, uh, you know, a slingshot or something and tell him not to use it. No, he's going to use it. He's going to break somebody's window or something. This is the way nature is. And so, you know, if you give these missiles and and arms to all these countries out there and you keep selling it to them at 2% GDP per year, they keep buying more and more. And um, at some point, you know, something's going to happen. You just, it's just inevitable. Something bad's going to happen. So that's kind of the core of corruption, really. Confidence knows and spots that there should not be profit incentives, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's how the military industrial complex is created. Yeah. We figured out that war is a racket and we can make billions of dollars and nobody's going to bat an eye at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, you know, fail five audits in a row and still get, what is it, $80 billion raise? Oh, know? yeah, yeah. More than they asked for, Absolutely actually. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah. That is... Not only like so that there's corrupt like that's corruption at the highest form. Not only are you saying that you have lost billions of dollars, you know, I, I think it was almost half that they can't account for. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, a ma- massive amount they can't account for. They failed the last five audits. Where would you and I be if that was us? You know, oh we'd yeah. Be in jail. yeah, 
would so be that's in jail. the problem. Like, not yeah. only are these people not held to a higher standard, they're not even held to an equal standard. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's why I think, uh, you know, how do we fix these things? I think we need to redefine corruption. And then once it's redefined, like, obviously, you know, we touched base on, you know, Supreme Court ruling that free speech is, you know, equal to money in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a, a re, redefinition right there, like, obviously. Right. Um, and I do want to touch base on some resolutions later about that. Okay. But um, so, yeah, you know, redefine it and make it way more strict whenever it comes to punishments. And I mean, either people will start dropping out or they're going to start going to prison. Yeah. and watch the system fix itself but uh, what do you what do you think about this and this is an idea that i floated to several people i don't know if i put this on the podcast before but um but <laughs> i'm just going to throw this out there you talked about yeah. is the israelis and the palestinians before in in the the conflict that seems to never end and yes, um now both sides understand different things but one thing they understand in common is money so you know, we give certain amount of aid to Israel. We, being the United States, give a certain amount of aid to Israel. I don't know what the exact dollar number is on that, and um, also to Palestine. Billion, billions. Yeah, we've billions. Actually, mm-hmm. We've actually, uh, you know, I know Trump did. He uh, set up a a, a long term uh, investment into their uh, funding into their military that was like ten years or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, how about this? Every time someone makes an infraction, like somebody fires a missile from from uh, the Palestinian area into Israel or from Israel into Palestine, whatever it is, every time somebody launches a missile, that's a hundred dollars. I mean, a a million dollars that comes off of their funding. Uh, every time, for every house that Israel builds in the occupied territory, there goes another million dollars, right? And and uh, you know, and, and it would apply to both sides equally, right? To, because they both have to stop fighting. And I'm not saying they don't have grievances with each other, but, um, you know, if they're going to fight each other, that becomes a, a worldwide problem. So if you start hitting them in the pocketbook and you say, okay, for every, you know, just go down the list, right? For every uh, kidnapping or every murder of a journalist or whatever, and just say, okay, we're going to dock you this much money, this much money. And finally, you know, I think both sides would begin to understand that, um, hey, we better stop doing this because we're both going to go broke because, you know, we're, we're losing our funding. Um, right. so I, I don't know. I, I, what do you think about that idea? I mean, I'm all for it. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the BDS movement, boycott, yeah. divest, sanction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm all for that, you know, like, and that's a very, uh, focused, uh, movement too. You know, that's not just a, a restriction on all Israeli, uh, corporations and businesses. It's the one that are specifically, um, a part of the, uh, what do you want to call it? Ethnic cleansing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the main thing to say, like, this is a far from an equal fight, you yeah. know, with oh, yeah. our funding yeah. Israelis, like the Palestinians are basically what they call the biggest open air prison there, there is in the world, you yeah. know? Um, and I, I'm glad you, I don't know if you touched base on that journalist. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of, uh, Shireen Abu Akla. Uh, she was an American Palestinian journalist that was yeah. assassinated yeah. by Israeli military. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been one mention about an investigation. Um, th- that's one of the most egregious stories I've came across recently. That's just yeah. I, I don't. And then there's the actual uh, video of the funeral. Um, the Palestinians were holding her casket as long as they could above their head while. Israeli police beat them with batons. Yeah, trying I saw to get that video. them to drop the coffin. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how Americans don't see this and are outraged. Like that's an American's body in that casket. Yeah. While Palestinians are doing everything, like it was something out of a movie. It almost made me cry. You know, it's just like yeah. it's just unbelievable the courage that some of these people show. And you see the, um, you know. Uh, that BDS movement, um, there's, I forgot the specifics, but there were states that were actually banning people from and being involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, certain uh, corporations banning their workers from being involved in it. Yeah. Uh, clear authoritarianism that, that we are kind of shifting towards a little bit. 
Oh, Sorry. absolutely. Yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah, and I, I did see that video too, and, and I'm mystified as well. You know, it's uh, it is it, same with Khashoggi, who was who was murdered exactly. in, in the exactly. uh, Saudi embassy, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like these things just sort of blow by us, and like, wait a minute, Khashoggi was a was he a, was he a citizen <laughs> or Post journalist that lived in America? I think he was American, wasn't he? But that or, I mean, or he was a American. resident, which to me means the same right. thing. So it's exactly, exactly, yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that that should have sparked an international outrage, and it doesn't, you know. And I don't know. It, it, I mean, I, I was really really young during Vietnam War, but I do remember one thing was there was this photograph, and I forgot the uh, the girl's name. She actually ended up living in America, but she was like. 80% of her body was just like burned. All the clothes are burned off her body. And there's this picture of her running out of her village mm-hmm. um, completely naked because, you know, her, the clothes have been burned off her body and her skin was falling off her body. And a photographer ca- captured that picture. And that, along with a couple of other photos at that time, started to change the tide of that war, you know, and, and started to yeah. shift the public opinion against the war. And, you know, it's, it's just that, we don't see that much of it here. You know, we, we just, I think that, you know, not that I'm, that I'm into like showing gore or anything like that, but on the other hand, there is these tremendous injustices, as you pointed out, and nobody sees it. It, it just, it gets well, covered up. Look at Julian Assange, you know, he uh, reported, uh, what was it? Chelsea Manning's, he leaked out Chelsea Manning's reportings of the Mm-hmm. Uh, war crimes that we were committing in Afghanistan. Was it Afghanistan? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, we were basically, there's video. I'm not sure if you've seen the video, but we basically came in, killed civilians, waited till the first responders came in, and then circled back and killed them as well. Yeah. Um, and laughed while doing it, you know. And, you know, what did we do in response? We were trying to imprison the person that leaked the information. Yeah. Um, Snowden as well, you know, he's, uh, it's ironic that these are the people that are considered traitors, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever, yeah. In all reality, they're, you know, and you can, you know, say, oh, their agendas, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. They're leaking information that we have the right to know. And it, the government just doesn't like being, look, doesn't like to look bad. So, yeah. Well, in, in, to 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 come clean about my own past, you know, when it, when it comes to um, Snowden and and um, and um, Assange, uh, Assange, right? I, they're kind of on my bad list, and not because I side with the government on this, because it's mainly because there's indiscriminate release of information that puts people in danger, and you know, a lot of times people have asked me to how could I justify that when. You know, guys like Daniel Ellsberg, who, who leaked the Pentagon Papers to the New York Times, um, you know, it, it, they kind of conflate the two of them. And I say, well, wait a minute, you know, when Ellsberg leaked these papers, the Pentagon Papers, uh, which, you know, was another nail in the coffin of the Vietnam War, um, he, he carefully vetted it himself. And New York Times editors also vetted it, and they had their lawyers look at it and everything, and they finally went ahead and published it anyways. Whereas, you know, at least the impression I get with with Assange, uh, I don't know much about Snowden, but with Assange uh, indiscriminately leaking information without really vetting it, and that put a lot of people in danger. So, you know, a lot of people look at him as a hero, and I, yeah, there are some good things that came out of what he did, absolutely, same with Snowden. But um, I think you got to be really careful when you when you walk down that path. you got to be really careful about, you know, what the unintended consequences are going to be when you do something like that. Yeah. I mean, I could see that, you know, you definitely, I mean, whenever we have military, you know, in the, in the area that we're leaking information around, I could, you know, understand that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I, I can't say that I know the specifics enough on like, uh, you know, all of that and everything, but I know, you know, I've listened to Snowden quite a bit. He's been on, you know, quite a bit of podcasts and just yeah. been viral for a while sometime. And I don't know, he seems to be pretty sound. Uh, I know he did get ruled. I forgot what state ruled him in court that he would, they not only did he not commit any crimes, but uh, the, uh, what is it? The, um, wasn't the CIA. It was the, uh, well, the NSA. NSA. 
And I say, yeah, the uh, they the court found that they actually did commit uh, crimes, and so yeah, well, yeah. And it, my argument is the ends don't justify the means in those situations. But you know, I, one of the things about Snowden is that you know he's now a pawn. <laughs> he's he's living in Moscow, and now he's a pawn of of uh, of Putin, and um, that is pretty ironic the way that worked out. I would say to him, if I could, is they come back to the States, face the music. I mean, that's what Daniel Ellsberg did. He never left the States. But that's the problem. Yeah. And that's the one thing that you hear him address is with the treason act or, uh, is that what it is? The, uh, if whenever you're charged with treason, you're actually not even allowed to defend yourself in court. Oh, okay. so yeah. yeah, that's in, you know, that's what he expresses every time, you know, somebody asks him that question. It's like, well, that's, you know, why, how can somebody possibly come back here and defend themselves if they're actually not even going to be, you know, no one's going to hear them. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and basically it's up to the government's discretion on who's a traitor, you know, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that, you know, we see from, uh, the, all the traitors, uh, that were, uh, prosecuted, they, uh, you know, like go to Guantanamo Bay, like that was a clear human rights violation, like sloth. But yeah, uh, we basically found out that our uh, allies in Afghanistan and other places were basically just sending us their enemies. Yeah. They weren't necessarily terrorists. They were just their enemies. And here we were torturing them. <laughs> you know, and I have to say, I, I, I knew that was going on at the time was, was taking place under Bush and nobody. There was another thing that was hush hushed. And I'm like, not in my name, you know, you, you've got to, you know, I know these people are bad people. You got to treat them like, you know, but, but they're, they're the enemy, but, uh, there are certain rules that still have to be put into play even during a time of war. And, you know, torture is one of those things that we should never, ever, 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 ever do in any, in any situation. And, Absolutely. and it was taking place. And this is my, you know, Obama has disappointed me on so many different levels, I swear, but, um, this is one of those areas that, you know, he didn't swing the bat and get these guys out of Guantanamo and shut down Guantanamo and bring these guys to the States and treat them as prisoners of war. And, um, you know, these guys are the scum of the earth as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, that's the way it is with enemies, too. Right. I mean, you just you you, well, you still have to have a level of respect for them. That's kind of what I was uh, mentioning. Like there, we actually find out that a lot of these people were just innocent. They were just yeah. enemies of uh, our allies, which another stunning statistic, I forgot what article this came out of, but uh, we fund in some ways 73% of the world's dictators. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whenever we find out uh, in Afghanistan, actually, at that time, we found out that we were actually allied with uh, warlord dictators with child sex slaves. I don't know if you heard that story or not. No, it doesn't uh, surprise me, but I have not heard that story now. Yeah, we, we had military come forward and say, what are we doing? We got these allies that have child sex slaves. Like, who are we allying with? And oh. um, the, the people were court-martialed and, you know, taken out of uh, whatever service. Um, so it's wow. just ironic. You know, we, you know, ally with these people, and then we trust their word whenever it comes to them sending us terrorists. Oh, that's yeah. the majority yeah. People that were in Guantanamo Bay were just people that these other warlords were sending us. Yeah. Uh, and obviously their enemies probably weren't the worst people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, w I wouldn't trust them either way. But, you know, the thing is, right, uh, right. it's not a matter of trust. You know, it's you bring people as prisoners of war. Yeah. How can you expect your own prisoners, the, the, your, your own? I mean, to me, it puts our own GIs at risk. Right. Because. If the enemy knows that you're oh, torturing scary. them, then um, then that gives them, you know, carte blanche really to torture our guys and kill our guys. So, Not only that, I mean, there's the argument that we don't, uh, you know, whenever we're this war on terrorism, absolutely didn't do anything to, to snuff out terrorism. If anything, we're creating more terrorists. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I well, there was. <laughs> The thing that people don't realize is, um, you know, as bad of a guy as Saddam Hussein was, he hated ISIS just as much as we did. <laughs> he he, uh, he hated the Taliban and ISIS just as much as we did. And that's the ironic thing about it, because after, 
after they go in for you know the the, uh, uh, proverbial weapons of mass destruction and basically destroy the entire government of Iraq and destroy the and 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 destroy the army. Um, then guess what happens? You know, ISIS in Iraq arises, and then we yeah, I believe it. we've we've created more power enemies vacuum. that way. Yeah, it's a power vacuum exactly. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that no. you know, even after World War Two, is if I recall correctly, after the uh, after the um, the Germans were defeated, um, we kept their army intact, and we just said, okay, now we're going to start paying you guys, right? They're, you're on our payroll now, and right. it it what it does is. It keeps the it keeps order, you know. In the and they they struggled. I mean, there was there's you know a long period of time there where they had to get their economy in shape and things. So people still suffered even after the war. But in was Iraq, they, they missed. They, they were going down that path of doing that in Iraq, but then for some reason they just stopped and they decided just just fire everybody in the army, tell them to take their guns and go home. <laughs> so <laughs> you're left with a huge power vacuum. What an idiot that uh, we were at that. Well, not we, but. I knew what was going on, but um, our people in power were not very smart about it. Um, yeah, there's another guy, Ahmad Chalabi. I don't know if, if that name rings a bell to you, but uh, he was he was one of the guys that um, that was going to take over Iraq in, in that power mm. vacuum. We had them all lined up, and we knew the guy was a crook. We knew he was crooked. We knew he was uh, was a scammer, and and yeah, it's like. Yeah, we're still going to put him in power. Now, fortunately, that never that never materialized, but uh, he was on track to to become the uh, the um, ruler of Iraq after Saddam Hussein. Crazy stuff. And that's another thing that, that obviously we need to get away from is our uh, our just willingness to just establish a coup willy nilly in any oh, yeah. government. You know, anything that we see is an opposition. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the hell, the 2014 was, I guess, essentially a soft coup of Ukraine. You know, one can definitely argue that that had some direct Mm -hmm. uh, back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, Well, I was thinking of Iran. Oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, like, you got Libya and then, yeah, Iran. Like, you know, we. Uh, our hawkishness in Iran basically uh, led them to a right-wing, a more right-wing government now that we can't trust as nearly as much. So. Well, that was, and that, you know, we, we started off talking about corruption and, you know, I, I've, I remember I was alive during this time, so I'm an old guy, but um, I remember when the Shah of Iran was, uh, you know, was, was in power and it, it, the whole story behind it was that the Shah of Iran that we knew in in, in our uh, current uh, contemporary time frame um, was essentially moved into that position because uh, this is, I think, back in 1953-ish, I believe. No, 51, I think it was, with head Prime Minister uh, Mohammad Masada. I think, if I'm, hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, um, was the prime minister back then, and he tried to nationalize the oil. Uh, right. And and so, you know, between the CIA and MI6, and it wasn't just the U.S., it was, it was all the Western powers cooperated to move him out of that position and, and eventually establish a coup that um, put the Shah back in power. And, you know, the rest is history. There was so much corruption in in the Shah's regime and so much nepotism. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why he fell, uh, he was he was a bit of a bastard to his people as well. I mean, he had Savak, which was the secret police, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, foisting all kinds of terror on his own people. And finally, you know, yeah, there's a blowback, right? In 1979, he gets thrown out, and immediately the country just turns a 180. Yeah. And you know, yeah, this is the this is result of corruption, right? Yeah, you know, uh, in Iran, that's a. a a kind of a long topic there like you know I, I, it's one of the positive things i could say about obama was the iranian nuclear deal you know yeah. we actually got iran into line with uh uh not not sanctions but we basically what was it the opcw or was it uh yeah i can't remember exactly uh, what it was but yeah it was they, it was nuclear agreement basically yeah well, they were, you know, they were going in there and doing all their inspections and everything. And Iran was basically abiding by all of the, you know, regulations. And, yeah. 
we had all that going and then, you know, Trump pulled out um, and then Biden dropped the ball. And that was actually one of his campaign promises was to get us back in the Iranian nuclear deal. And uh, he dropped the ball on that. And, uh, you know, it goes to show that we just can't keep our word on these, you know, foreign agreements whenever it just doesn't necessarily benefit us. And uh, I don't know if you, you know, when, like I said, you know, once we didn't reestablish that agreement, the Iranian people basically see that we're, you know, not going to abide by our, you know, word. And they ended up electing a farther right wing uh, leader. Mm -hmm. So now we've got that to worry about a little more. And I think, uh, what was it? So, and I know, was it China brokering a deal? Um, Oh yeah. Trying to broker the deal in, in, in Ukraine, you mean? No, uh, was it, is it Iran that's uh, funding, uh, Yemen, the Yemen, uh, yeah, military? Yeah, it's Iran. And then, yeah. and then the Saudis are funding, are, you know, obviously fighting the Yemenis. Yeah. So I, I believe it's the Chinese that are bringing Iran and, uh, uh, Saudi. Yeah. Saudi Arabia to the table. I thought, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Because yeah, you know China was also brokering the deal for uh, you know Russia and Ukraine, which is great. Yeah. You know, obviously if the United States aren't going to do it. Like somebody's got to ensure that democracy pre- or you know that uh, you know peace, world basically. safety, you know prevails. Because this is yeah. getting out of hand. Isn't that crazy though? I mean, because it's like you know we're it, it was so different from what I was taught in school, like, you know, the manifest destiny of the United States. And, you know, and I don't want to get down on our country. Our country has done a lot of wonderful things as well, but absolutely, but we've, absolutely. but we've also totally jacked things up in the world. And uh, it's to the point now to where, you know, Iran doesn't trust us anymore. They're, they'd be very reluctant. I would think to sign any sort of a nuclear agreement with us in the future, knowing that, Hey, if your president gets thrown out and another president right. not thrown out, but if your president is not reelected and someone else takes office, uh, any treaty you guys sign could just be broken. And yeah. uh, you know, I think a lot of Native Americans could probably testify to that as being a, a pattern in this country from the very beginning. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's now that you know China's got to go in there, and 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 of all countries, right? China's going in there because you know I think that there are some cooler heads out there prevailing and saying, you know, this is not good for anybody if this, if this is allowed to escalate, but, uh, we're also yeah, competing with, China. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. You know, I think it was the, uh, was it Pramaya Jayapal that, uh, sent the letter in saying, you know, we need to really start focusing on, you know, getting peace talks and then they retracted it immediately. And he actually, she actually ended up blaming her staffers for the error <laughs> and it's like is this what we're reduced to like the if anyone criticizes the war from the left they're automatically in you know uh, scared straight they have yeah. to you know, redact their a statement immediately yeah uh it's just, it's, and uh, this is the person that got passed over for speaker too <laughs> yeah it's it's well the polarization in this country is driving not only both parties to the extremes, but it's also driving a um, a sense of obedience through each party as well. Um, you know, years years ago, from what I understand, I, I read a a, a book. Um, oh gosh, can't remember the name of it anymore. It's called the, oh, it's called the Doom Loop. And I'm trying to remember the author right now, but anyways, he's a political scientist, and he stated that like back in the 1950s. Uh, there were conservative Democrats and progressive Democrats, and there were conservative Republicans and progressive Republicans, and there's a lot more cooperation between the parties. He, he said it was essentially like four parties. But now, you know, the, the battle lines have been drawn, and everybody's just being pulled into into the Borg, basically. And there's two Borgs out there, for lack of a better term. And um, if you don't sing the song and march in, in lockstep with your party, um, you're out. Like you said, it, it happens on the left and on the right. It's great. And I'd like to touch on something on that. Uh, I actually just saw, uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, not surprising, I guess now though, but, uh, um, Bernie actually just endorsed Biden. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. That's ridiculous. You know, it, it'd be one thing if there wasn't like a true progressive candidate that's actually put her, you know, foot in the race, which uh, I don't know how you feel about her, but I'm, I'm sure you're aware of Marianne Williamson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'll say what you want about her. I've, you know, got criticisms of her, but if I'm looking for a true progressive to vote for, it's absolutely 100% Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. And you look at who Bernie actually politically aligns with. I mean, it's hands down Marianne Williamson. Yeah. And what's he do? He cucks to Biden again. I mean, yeah. it just, and, you know, I try to understand like what the reasoning might be. And if the only thing you can think of, he's just trying to play long ball. You know, he's, yeah. well, what happens if Biden gets elected and then I lose my seat in the energy board or whatever the hell it is? And, yeah. and you know, he's effective there. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I see what he does there. It's great. But, <laughs> You know, we've got four years of Biden because he cut, you know, and that never, I don't think I could ever really, you know, forgive him for that or just really support him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of John McCain too on, on the uh, Republican party. Um, You know, back in the nineties, he was known as the Maverick. He was the one to kind of buck the party and had, you know, a lot of common sense. And um, he ran for the presidential um, primary in 2000 and obviously Bush beat him out and Bush just played a lot of dirty tricks too. I, I have very few good words to say about that guy other than what he's been doing and what he did in Africa, which was, I thought was pretty good. But, um, but then McCain starts singing a different song after that. It was like, what did he do? Drink the Kool-Aid or something? And he, he picked Sarah Palin as a running mate in 2008. And like, this is the ultimate sellout of, of a guy that, I don't know. I could have gotten behind him, you know, and it was after that, it was just who wants to support these people? And Bernie Sanders Um, may be going down the same path. Tulsi broke my heart. Oh, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Yeah. I should, I guess, you know, listen to people. They said she was a grifter, but she actually was saying all the right things. And then, you know, you got to wonder if the, if there was a flip or if that was just the way she was from the beginning. I know she had the the homophobic uh, ties, you know, early on that she had to apologize for and now she's on the the anti-transgenderism fad with the the right wing now yeah what's up with that uh, anyways i mean if you're talking about a population <laughs> that is one percent less than one percent <laughs> yeah it's less than you know one percent and and, and and you know if you think about it we're all americans we all matter so um, I don't care if it's like one guy in the whole country or something, you know, we all have to stand up for that person. Exactly, and and right. so, yeah, but, but the, but that's not the way politics works. You gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta pick on people that you know, are already, um, not very capable of defending themselves simply by the fact that the sheer numbers are not there mm-hmm. for them. Um, you know, and Absolutely. it's, it's so un-American to not stand up for, for people. You know, it's just, it's just so un-American to do this, in my opinion. And it's so ironic that these are the people that claim to be about, you know, liberty and free speech and individualism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, I think we all need to be nuanced with these conversations. Like, obviously, nobody wants kids to be molested. You know, nobody right. wants to see, um, you know... I, I don't even want to buy into the rhetoric, you know, the, the, if people want to say that like pedophilia will be normalized and stuff like that. Yeah. But the, and the, the, the main problem is, you know, this is the new, um, you know, just the massive scare tactic yeah. that they used to use against gay people. And now it's trans people, Yeah, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's not so hard. Like I'll tell you one of the people I just cannot stand the most is that Matt Walsh, Mm-hmm. Um, this is the guy who's devoted devoted his entire life to children genitalia, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, this is the expert that they they cite to every time. Uh, and this is, uh, I he went on Joe Rogan and got completely dismantled by one question. They asked him if uh, what's your, how many kids are actually receiving gender affirming medication? And he's like, it's got to be in the millions. <laughs> and they fact checked it right there, and it was like thirteen hundred of receiving gender affirming medication. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you just go look at the statistics, and like, they want you to believe that these kids are getting surgery and stuff. That's never even happened in the country. Yeah, I think yeah. there's one instance of like a seventeen-year-old 
that uh, got uh, top surgery, I think. And it's like, yeah, we can have a discussion about that. Like, but in all reality, like you're not the parent, you're not that fucking person and you're not the doctor, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, it's just like I said, just we need to have a nuanced conversation about it. And the main factor is like you said, like these are people, they have a right to exist which is absolutely bizarre that we have to have that conversation because yeah. that is the conversation from these people is they don't, I mean, if you talk to these people, get them based, get them to the base of their, you know, politics and you'll find out that they just don't want these people to exist. It's not about children. Yeah. They don't want adults to be able to transition any way they want. And it's like, these are adults. You cannot tell people they can't do something with their body. And it's amazing that I have to tell a conservative that, you know? Yeah. Well, I have I have my own conspiracy theory about that, and it all has to do with patriarchy, you know, patriarchal power structure in this country. It's about um, undervaluing and devaluing uh, anyone that's not a man, right? I mean, Josh Hawley is coming out with a book pretty soon called Manhood. I'm I've, I'm on the list to read it. <laughs> I, you know, I hate to I hate to pay him for it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because I just want to get some ammo on this guy. Um, right. It, but it's it's all about you know you don't you don't char you don't you don't challenge the power structure of men right and and everybody wants to be an alpha right. male these days if you look at some of these extremist guys I'm alpha male and and in order to do that they not only thump their chest but they have to you know show you their big guns and um, you know uh, like Eric Schmidt when he's campaigning he was swinging baseball right. bats and blow torches and stuff <laughs> it's all about proving manhood and it's and this is a real threat to women you know it's it's yeah, obviously it's 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 even a bigger threat to uh, to transgender and and LGBTQ, but it's a threat to women too, you know. And this is all about this is all about reestablishing a patriarchy in this country, and it's a losing battle. I'm telling you, it's a losing battle, but it's going to take a lot of it's going to take a lot of uh, um, prisoners along the way before that battle is actually lost. It's crazy. You know, I'll, I'll, yeah, I can agree to that. I. I do think a big part of it's uh, this movement towards uh, Christian nationalism or mm-hmm. just religious nationalism in the general. They just don't see these people as you know moral in their eyes because they're you know uh, you know they follow life through the Bible and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's the same thing that was used to commit genocide against Native Americans. They were you know referred to as savages and, and, um, you know, uh, inhuman. And I mean, you know, you look at any, at any culture that has been not as technologically advanced as a culture that's invading them. Um, you know, the, the invading, the invading culture is just going to dehumanize them in any way possible because they don't want to have to deal with the, um, with the challenge to their power structure. But, um, yeah, it, you know the sad thing is, I'm just gonna throw this out there. When I was, uh, I wouldn't say it's sad, but it's it's, it's actually it is kind of sad because the when I was, my, my son is is living in California and he went to um, Cal State Long Beach, and um, you know I, I lived out there too, and then moved back to Missouri here, and uh, so I'd go out there and visit him at his campus there, and we would always go to downtown Long Beach. He'd like to go to the you know go bar hopping down there, and I'm like. I'm like everybody's dad or everybody's grandpa, you know, out there with him. But um, he would take me to this place called Hamburger Mary's, and it's, it's actually a it's kind of actually a chain that's in various different uh, cities across the U.S. and and um, yeah, my son he's 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 not gay or anything, but Hamburger Mary's is a um, is is where the drag queens you know hang out and right, people right dress on. in drag, and so he'd like to go there for a couple of reasons. One is that um, he thought it was a safe environment. He, he enjoyed the company. And another thing which he introduced me to was like, oh, my God, there is incredible talent here. These these people that put on these shows. And um, it was it was one of these uh, they had like a musical dance routine going on. Or, and a young man was up there doing his thing, almost brought me to tears. It was such a sad sort of interpretation. And um, and everybody's just like. Everybody's cool. You know, everybody just gets along with each other, and I'm like, "What is right. so wrong with with this environment here?" I, I I didn't I didn't understand it at all, and I still don't understand um, why That's there it. is this paranoia. 
well, you know, they focus, and you, you can say that they're actually being misled by, you know, mainstream media and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's this focus on, at the very best, very isolated incidents of, you know, the, of, you know, uh, I, I don't even know how much this happens, you know, the, uh, what is it, the drag time story hour or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah, we can have a nuanced conversation about that. It's like, yeah, I don't think that there should be, you know, like, I don't see the point. Like why it's one thing if it's, you know, story, part of the story, you're dressing up for the story or whatever. But like, if there is like actual, like something focused on strictly just drag Queens reading the children, I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But, and, and that's the other thing that kind of gets me about that. It's like, we're fo- like, I'd read, yeah people should be able to free, be free, whatever, do whatever they want. You know, that's, and that I guess involves bringing your children to do whatever the fuck they want, as long as you're not hurting them or subjecting them to something, mm-hmm. you know, horrible or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we're mainly talking about like, there's just trans people that have to live their daily lives, you know, the way they are. Um, and I, I don't want any, you know, attention away from that as much as like, especially negative attention, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I just, I, I, I can't stand the fact that that's just this rhetoric that's going around now that basically yeah. these people aren't, uh, that aren't unnatural, I guess is the best way, best yeah. way to put it. Yeah. When it's ironic that, that this absolutely occurs in like every aspect of nature. Yeah. Like you yeah. can go find basically any animal and transgenderism exists. Um, so that, you know, obviously leads to the, resolution there's not just man and woman there's obviously uh it's not just black and gray you know, there's intersex and stuff like yeah. that and yeah. that doesn't it's not a so a social construct or whatever you know it's something that absolutely happens biologically in nature so yeah that just totally dismantles their entire argument so i don't understand it well, it dismantles your argument but that's only if you're using logic to argue with people that that um don't like to use logic um as and these are the people that are religious <laughs> yeah well well yeah that may be part of it but uh i've been told you religious know ironic. yeah yeah i was one expression out there which you've probably heard is don't wrestle with a pig you just get muddy and the pig enjoys it so uh, <laughs> sometimes you know it, arguing with people trying to use logic uh for some of these people that are so far gone in their in their disposition in life that um you just you know you just can't you can't use logic you can't argue with them and i don't know i mean i at some point i just walk away and give up and say okay let's put it up to a vote and just leave it at that you know and, and you're going to find a majority of the people are going to be like live and let live you know <laughs> it's not a big exactly. deal that's the uh, thing like we're just regressing further and further into authoritarianism with oh yeah stuff. yeah Anyways, you had something about, you mentioned earlier something about resolutions. I want to get back to that because we're kind of running up toward the end of the hour here. But um, what, um, right on. yeah, did you have so, uh, something you wanted to say? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were talking about corruption and uh, one of the main things we were talking about was money and politics as well. Uh, so who was that from? Uh, James Lee on 5149. He actually does like a little sub thing on uh, breaking points. I don't know if you ever watched that podcast before. No. The no. YouTube. Uh, it's Crystal Sager or uh, Crystal Ball and Sager and Jetty. Uh, they used to be on the Hill or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so uh, this guy was covering it and just so happened to be right as I was trying to jot down some notes. So it's like perfect. Uh, so House Joint Resolution One actually. Uh, basically gives uh, states and Congress the right to uh, um, distinguish between people and corporations whenever it comes to campaign funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, basically, so there's how, that House Joint Resolution 48 and then House Joint Resolution 21, I believe. And they're kind of all just variations of the same thing. They're uh, trying to ban uh, foreign agents and foreign governments from contributing into campaigns mm-hmm. and elections. Um, so yeah, I think those are some things to look into. Uh, good. Yeah. There's, well, you've heard me mention this before. There's this organization called move to amend, which they feel they, there needs to be an entire, uh, constitutional amendment 
in order to undo some of the damage that was done by um, by various different decisions throughout the ages. But the most recent one was the um, 2010 or 2000, I think it was 2010, uh, Citizens United decision of the Supreme Court, which basically gave uh, First Amendment rights to corporations and uh, I'm encouraged mm. by what you say there because, you know, if, if, if there's recognition that corporations are not people and they do not get First Amendment rights. Um, so, uh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, so the House Joint Resolution actually uh, specifically overrides judiciary free speech. Uh, oh, uh, wow. Amendment. Yeah. So. How do they do that, though? Because if it's a constitutional issue, the Supreme Court is supposed to interpret constitutional issues so right that kind of locks it out of of the legislature i thought but you would think yeah and then obviously that's the house too i mean you know it's just going to die in the senate oh yeah but um yeah so i thought that was quite interesting um and then the other thing i wanted to touch base on because we actually just touched base a little bit on the supreme court um i'm sure you saw the clarence thomas uh news haven't you well, he's uh, with it, with it, trouble with ethics. You mean? Yeah, basically, yeah. he got caught getting five hundred thousand dollar trips uh, from right. Who was it? Wasn't the guy's name Crow or something like? Yeah, something like that. It was a, a billionaire <laughs> that's, that's Har- uh, Harlan Crow. Like Harlan Crow, that just yeah. sounds like a Batman villain. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and this is the guy who's paying, you know, Clarence Thomas hundreds of thousands of dollars going on these lavish vacations. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, here we got the same guy who's overturning Roe versus Wade and yeah. uh, looking at Obergefell, which is, you know, the gay rights uh, ruling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that Jesus Christ, let's throw the book at these freaking people, like the audacity that they could sip, sit in their seat and yeah. rule on these, you know, rule, uh, rule on these laws. And here they are just committing the most egregious corruption. Yeah. Uh, I think one, one, one great thing, I think or one great answer to that would just be to expand the Supreme court, in my opinion, Yeah. Um, was an FDR try to do that, you know, and then basically got them all in line that way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not only expanding the court. I think there's, um, I referred to this several times There's a guy named David Litt, who was a writer for the Boston globe wrote this article several years ago. And, um, it's not only, he talks not only about expanding the court, but he also talks about, um, putting term limits on Supreme court justices. And I'm all for that. That's yeah, the only time I'm for term limits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. Cause you know, the thing is, um, each president should have the ability to put someone on the court or at least nominate someone for that high court. It shouldn't have to depend upon, you know, some old guy croaking before they get someone else in there. And whoever happens to be president at that point gets to do it, you know. And I'd like to touch something on that, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope I didn't cut you off. No, no, go ahead. We're dealing with the Dianne Feinstein uh, situation right now. So she's basically been absent and we're not getting those votes in to get a Supreme Court in, Justice. And same thing happened with, uh, what was it, Ruth, uh, what's her name? Ruth. Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, she held out for so long that we ended up, you know, we didn't put her foot down and say, listen, you've got to resign. We cannot uh, take the chance of you, um, right. you know, resigning under Trump, which is what happened. And then Trump got to elect his Supreme Court justice. Yeah. So uh, that's paramount. You know, we've got to put our foot down with these situations. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Diane Feinstein. And uh, what was it? Uh, Real Khanna came out and uh, you know, basically said what everybody needs to be saying and said, we need to get her to resign. And they called him sexist, misogynistic or whatever. <laughs> well, she's what, 80 some, 89 or something like that? Or All of her staffers say that like she's just losing it. She doesn't remember people that she's known for years and years and years. And yeah. there's, there's no reason this woman should be serving. She cannot serve. That's the, that's the moral of the story. She cannot serve the public anymore. And she's actually doing us a disservice because she's not there to actually get the vote in. Yeah. So. Well, she's, um, on a humorous note, she's the reason why my left arm is killing me today um, <laughs> because she had shingles. And I've been told many, many times I need to get that shingles uh, vaccination because I had chicken pox when I was a kid. 
and I'm in the, you know, above 50 age right now. So, um, so, you know, when she, she was out for so many days, I understand it was because she was having a shingles attack. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm going to get my shot. And, um, it wasn't quite as bad as COVID in terms of like making me feel goofy and like, you know, sick or anything. Uh, although I did have a slight fever, but, um, boy, oh boy, that's a pain in the arm. I just the last couple of days. It's like, ow, thanks, Feinstein. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's, but I agree with you. I, I, you know, there's, they talk about competency tests for politicians and that would be a very interesting thing to do, you know, for, for people. I don't know. I think it's something we need to do because, you know, back when the constitution was written, uh, your average lifespan was what, you know, 50, maybe 60 years if you're lucky. And, um, so they didn't think anything about having Supreme court justices given life appointments because they probably wouldn't get it until they're in their forties anyways at the earliest. So, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be gone in a few years. Right. So that was never really an issue, but these days people are living a lot longer and, um, and yeah, they, they, they come in at under an administration and then like four or five administrations down the road, they're still there and they're still got their old views. So yeah, I agree. They should be, um, we should have term limits on them. Uh, constitutionally speaking, people had a problem with that, that, uh, I believe according to the constitution, it's a lifetime appointment, but I believe it's a lifetime appointment just for being a federal judge, not for being on the bench on the Supreme court bench. So technically we can put term limits on them and I don't know why it's not done. I would like to see that. And I've actually heard that they actually have no constitutional right for judiciary overview. But what was that again? I've heard that they actually have no constitution. I can't remember where oh, I saw this. Overview, yeah. Pod. Yeah. Yeah, they have actually no constitutional right for judiciary overview. It's a tough word to say, judiciary. I know, <laughs> yeah. It's you get tongue tied in that, but yeah, I, yeah, I'd, he- I'd heard the same thing too. I, I, I haven't, um, I haven't done the research on that to see if that's really same, the case, same. but, um, that does sound pretty, pretty bad if that's the case. Cause that means that there's no checks and balances on the Supreme well, even, Court. Look, no, and then you got Roe versus Wade where it's just like, oh, we're going to overturn that. Like what, what, like, yeah. how can you overturn a ruling whenever it's been the precedent for decades, you know? Well, it, it does happen. I mean, Dred Scott from, you know, it was 1850-something, the Dred Scott ruling, right here in St. Louis, actually, was um, was um, was was overruled, obviously. Um, I mean, several things do get overruled. There's 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 other, uh, oh, I forgot what the but name is. But doesn't it happen after there's a case brought up? It's not just... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I think you're right. The, well, in this case, in the case of Roe v. Wade, there was a case. It was in Mississippi. Um, I forgot what the name of the case was, but it was, it was a case that, that got up to that level. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I forgot, uh, I forgot the details on that one, but, uh, yeah, I think there was a case for that. Anyways, um, I feel like we've, we've overstayed our welcome and, uh, <laughs> we're coming up on the hour right here, if not over the hour. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. But we've got lots more stuff to talk about because, you know, we, we went over this list about a month and a half ago, we wanted to talk about term limits, um, initiatives and referendums, uh, Ukraine. Um, well, we've got all kinds of other stuff we can talk about in subsequent podcasts. I, I could rip all day on this stuff. It's good. Uh, it's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I just want to be able to do the research a little bit, and I have to admit I Absolutely. didn't do the research Absolutely. this time. I. Um, It'll be much more fruitful that way. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I'd like to come to the table with a few facts in my hands, so... Um, just before we got online here I actually looked up a couple things and uh, thank you chat GPT because it really helps uh, me do some research although you do have to check everything with chat GPT because it can it can throw bullshit out there too and you won't know it 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 talks (laughs) well you should try it it's it's pretty good but you do have to um, validate everything that it says because it just if it can't figure out the answer it'll make up stuff make it up yeah it's kind of like people in a way (laughs) (laughs) anyways we've been talking with nathan falcone a concerned and politically aware citizen from cedar hill missouri uh nathan thanks again for joining us on democracy on the move and i look forward to next time 
Thank you, Dan. I absolutely look forward to our next discussion. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org slash contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by Al Ray Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you'll tune in again next week.